is a very good afternoon to you. It is Niall Boylan with you right well, certainly for the next hour or so anyway. Can I, by the way, first before we start, thank everybody who got involved in yesterday's debate about the new proposed hate crime legislation. Now, we did do a poll on Twitter just after the show, and surprisingly, well, unsurprisingly, we got 10,000 votes onto the poll. It's not scientific, so they keep telling me, because they would be all my followers, my listeners, maybe. But we did ask people to share it, and they did retweet it across Twitter to people who probably wouldn't have the same leanings as me. And certainly, um, it is overwhelming. 97%, 97% said they did not agree with the new proposed hate crime or hate speech laws. And just to clarify again what we were talking about yesterday and when we spoke yesterday to Senator Ronan Mullen in relation to this, everybody, everybody agrees and condemns hate crimes, incitement to violence, being racist, being homophobic or any of those things. We all condemn that, but we don't condemn free speech. And unfortunately, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, has made it quite clear that she doesn't want to define the word hate. She said she's got advice from two attorney generals on this, and she said she wants more prosecutions. This is a very dangerous piece of legislation. It is, it is an international embarrassment, so much so that Donald Trump Jr. and also Elon Musk has got involved in this particular debate. All across the world, people are talking about Ireland's hate speech laws. These laws will come in in August or September after the summer recess and will be signed by the president, no doubt. I would like to think he would push it forward to the Supreme Court to check it for constitutionality under freedom of expression here in Ireland because there is no definition of the word hate. The minister was asked yesterday at a press conference why she was motoring ahead with this legislation when the general public didn't need it, didn't want it. And she said there's an appetite for it. There was a need for it. She was questioned again by Grip Media saying that over 70% of public submissions that she had received in her office in relation to this legislation from two years ago when the bill was first put forward disagreed with it. She had no answer. She said that crimes or hate crimes had gone up by 29%. Now, Grip Media have asked for a full report as to where she got that fact because the reason it's gone up by 29% is because we now have a different reporting system. In other words, if somebody is assaulted and it's a hate crime, Of course that's horrible. Of course that should be condemned. But that person is already covered under legislation. And that legislation is assault. That person should go to jail. If somebody is really mean and nasty and incites violence against another person or suggests on social media or anywhere that we should beat somebody up or kill somebody, of course that's a threat to life. It's also illegal in Ireland to do something like that. This is all covered in law. Incitement to Hatred, the Incitement to Hatred Act 1989, is also covered in law. And as we speak, Sharon Keoghan, Ronan Mullins, uh, Michael McDool and many others are in the Shannon right now speaking in defence of the general public, whereas the government are pushing ahead with legislation that nobody actually believes we need. And this legislation, although may not see many people in court, gives the Garda Sheikhana the power to go into your home, seize your documents, your computers, your devices, if they suspect you might be in possession of hated or hateful material, even if you've no intention of using it, that is taking away your freedoms. They also may prosecute you if you say something that offends another person that they deem to be hateful against their community. And that will be up to a judge to decide. We've seen what has happened many and many times in those situations. So all I will say to you is before we move on today is contact your local representatives, contact your local TDs, Contact all your local politicians in your area. Tell them the next general election is coming soon. And if you object to this law, 
tell them you object to it and tell them not to vote for it. They've already voted 110 against 14, which is ridiculous because they're voting with their parties. Many of them don't even know what's in the legislation. It's a dangerous piece of legislation because it takes away your right to express yourself. And it also puts fear in people. Fear that people may not be so open in talking about things that are important. Because of that fear, people may not put stuff up on social media. They may not put stuff in newspapers or on television or on radio or podcast or whatever it is for fear that they may be prosecuted. That fear is enough to stifle free speech and debate. It's very important, so please stay on it. We will stay on it, and we will come back to it again probably next week sometime. But first, I think what's also equally important is to discuss this case in the United Kingdom because it has got so much traction now at this stage. And this is, of course, in relation to a woman in the UK who took abortion pills at 24 weeks or should I say 32, the 34 weeks, beyond the 24-week statutory limit in the UK. The statutory limit in Ireland is 12 weeks and up to 22 in exceptional cases. She was jailed for 28 months. Carla Foster, a 44-year-old mother of three, pleaded guilty to the offence of administering poison with intent to procure a miscarriage, but only pleaded guilty at the latter stages of the trial. She obtained abortion drugs through a telephone conversation and uh, a service that was launched during the pandemic, which was intended for uh, people at the, start, at the early stages of pregnancy, up to 10 weeks. She lied. And the reason she lied is, according to the evidence of the police, she went online at 32 weeks pregnant and Google searched, is it illegal to have an abortion after 22 weeks? Google would have told her it was. So then she lied to get the abortion pills. The coroner said that the baby never took a breath of life. But the coroner couldn't be sure if the child would have survived if she had been in a hospital setting. Either way, it can carry a sentence of up to life in prison. There was another case back in 2012 where somebody was given eight years, but on reflection, they reduced the sentence to three years. In this particular case, the judge said he was empathetic and he understood there was remorse on behalf of Carol Foster. And he understands she believed she knew she did something wrong. But because she didn't plead guilty at the early stages of the case and put the court through, the magistrate's court, through the whole process, he jailed her, a mother of three, for 28 months. Now, a lot of people in the UK, including many organisations, campaigners, MPs, are now calling for the decriminalisation. Because in England, similar to Ireland, they have legislation. In England, it's called Section 58 of the Offences Against a Person Act it's 1861. It's a very old piece of legislation. Yes, it may need updating, but it's there for that purpose, Section that section. Now, in Ireland, the Supreme Court decided before the last referendum that the unborn child had no rights. And currently at the moment, there are campaigners in Ireland, very similar to this, campaigning to have abortion decriminalized. That means that after the 12-week period, if a doctor, for whatever reason, decides to carry out an abortion, even after a 22-week period, that there is no criminal sanction, which currently there is, of 14 years. But the big debate at the moment is, should she have put, should they have put a mother of three in jail? Because seemingly she was quite depressed at the time, went to a very difficult period in her life, and it was during a pandemic. I want to know what you think today. And I want you to text at 85 55 That's, oh, sorry, 85 55 that's 085-100-2255. Please text us, please WhatsApp us and get involved in the conversation. Joining me is Eilish, our Eilish Mulroy 
and she is a spokesperson for the pro-life campaign and she's been with us before. Eilish, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Um, it's a very complicated case, although straightforward enough in the sense that the law has been broken, but complicated in a sense that here is a woman and many women who are pro-choice, I suppose, more so, would say was going to a very difficult pregnancy, a very good, difficult time in her life. I believe she had broken up with a boyfriend and, and met up with another one or her old boyfriend was back in. It was a complicated scenario. It was during a pandemic where there was no face-to-face meetings with doctors or services available. And she took advantage of a service that she lied to, BPAS, and lied to them um, to get the abortion pills, which sadly um, took the life of her unborn child. Should she have gone to jail? It's a really tough, tough uh, situation, uh, Niall. I mean, I think if you look at um, abortion laws throughout the world, there are always criminal uh, sanctions, most cases criminal sanctions attached to those in order to make sure that you don't have, I mean, private individuals carrying out abortions on women at late term or, you know, dangerous scenarios for women. So criminal sanctions um, are, are are a reality um, in in many statutes, most statutes. The, the the sad part about this, really, and I think the really exploitative thing that's happening is that the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, who which is the biggest one of the biggest abortion providers in in the UK. Um, we did contact their spokesperson because I know they have been on British News at the moment, demanding that she be released from jail and that the law be changed. So we did try to contact them, and unfortunately they couldn't make themselves available for us today. Yeah, and that's regrettable, but I, I think that it's 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 interesting to see that it's BPAS, the organisation that actually created this scenario, uh, who, who who sent the pills to this woman uh, 22, uh, 22 full weeks after the, the limit, um, who are now kind of exploiting the case and really coldly and cruelly um, using the case to push for um, decriminalization of abortion up to birth, which, as we know, when there's no criminal sanctions, and you rightly um, pointed out that some there are some calls for that here in Ireland too, it means that uh, an abortion can be performed by a doctor, by a non-doctor uh, on a woman um, up until nine months um, um, with no with no repercussions as a result of that. And that's not a scenario I think that anyone wants to see. Um, we had a very famous case in Ireland, I don't know you though, the historical aspect of this, which is Nurse Cadden. I'm sure, I mean, maybe I, I don't know what you know of Nurse Cadden. Uh, people often refer to Nurse Cadden uh, in, I suppose, old Irish or wives' tales, but she was a woman who went around procuring or performing abortions, backstreet abortions on women in Ireland. And uh, she was eventually caught uh, because she would perform an abortion at any point, by the way, in a, in a pregnancy. And uh, she was jailed in Ireland for that. So that that's the kind of historical side of it. But essentially, what campaigners are saying is we should go back to that. Well, I'm not suggesting backstreet abortions, but from what you're saying, if we decriminalise it, there's nothing stopping backstreet abortions. Indeed, there's nothing stopping that. And, you know, some campaigners would say, well, doctors wouldn't be able to do it because there'd be medical counsel repercussions, etc. But what would stop a private individual, for example, carrying out an abortion like a, 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 an abuser, a partner, uh, you know, in that kind of scenario. But I think it's really important too that we remember that, you know, or this case and this 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 case has arisen as a result of uh, people being able to get pills by post without any in-person consultation with a doctor, uh, COVID or no COVID, um, you know, essential medical, like ultrasound, those kind of um, things would have been available, um, should have been available. We had the same situation here where the Minister for Health 
said at the beginning of the COVID pandemic that people could um, get pills by post uh, telemedicine abortions. Um, and we know that that has created um, some very concerning situations. For example, we know that according to a report from the sexual assault treatment units, um, and which was reported in the Irish Examiner last year, a woman in Ireland was coerced, a minor actually, into a room and forced to take abortion pills. And there are no repercussions for that because we also allow telemedicine abortions. And if you look at the, the you know, this case, yeah. it's a real, it should be, it should be setting off alarm bells in government around the fact that women can access pills and end the life of a baby of this age. Remember, baby Lily, um, who, as you know, that the mother is, is it says she's plagued by nightmares around it now. It's been a terrible experience for her. Baby Lily was 34 weeks. Um, she was fully formed. Uh, she could have been born by C-section. She could have been adopted. She in, a, be, in a hospital she, setting, she would have survived. Absolutely. She would have she survived. Would have survived. She would be three years old uh, this month. Um, and baby Lily has lost her life as well. I think it's really important that we remember baby Lily has lost her life. But I think the mother in this scenario has been done a great disservice by the abortion uh, industry in England. Um, and I think that the government should be looking now, not at decriminalising abortion, which would allow much worse But that looks like what's going to happen, Eilish, because I'm only listening this morning, we spoke to a British MP this morning, we had tried to get on the air, and she is speaking currently in the House of Commons, uh, demanding now that this piece of legislation, which is the uh, Offences Against the Person Act 1861, now there's no doubt, by the way, if you have legislation that's 150 years old, that it needs to be updated anyway, uh, and brought into a modern world. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But they they want that legislation repealed, uh, in other words, removed from common law in Britain. Now, you know, when you look at the story, uh, and now the judge did say, by the way, that he could have given a fully suspended sentence, but he chose on this occasion not to. Now, the judge has been now referred to by campaigners as a sexist, by the way, uh, but he chose not to give uh, the suspended sentence on this occasion uh, because he said there was no early guilty plea, even though she knew she had broken the law. She tried to claim initially that she didn't know she broke the law, but then, of course, the police uh, provided evidence that she had Googled it uh, previously, so she she knew well that she couldn't have an abortion after the 22 weeks, and she, and hence she lied to BPAS, or said she lied to BPAS, and told them she was less than 10 weeks pregnant when she got those pills. But there is part of me, um, even though from a moral point of view, I think it, what she did is very wrong, that has an understanding when I talk to women who go through postnatal depression or who go through a difficult pregnancy or have a very difficult time in their lives with pregnancy. And I know she has had, already had three children. So she has three children already. And a lot of people are saying that's one of the reasons why she shouldn't be in jail. But I do understand, or what I probably don't understand because I'm not a woman, what that can be like and how depressing that can be and how difficult a place that can be. And I'm, we're not in her shoes and we don't know how she felt at that particular moment in time. And of course, all the other circumstances around it, including COVID as well, and the lack of face-to-face communication with a counsellor, with a doctor, or with anybody who probably cared. So for that reason alone, should there be more, should there have been, there been more consideration in this case? Well, look, the individual judges will make their decision based on and they can sentence in accordance with the the, the law that's in front of them. Um, you know, but I think that this what this case shows us is a failure of society and community. And it's up to our legislators, you know, to in, like it's it's a public policy consideration that should be that should be uh, to the fore here. We need it. it the B-Pass bears major responsibility in the case instead of acknowledging that they 
failed to take reasonable steps to, to confirm they were acting with the law. They sent out those pills to that woman. There's nobody wants to see a woman in prison. Um, and that's why the law, and as you say, the, the case, you know, the situation you outlined where somebody's under pressure, you know, maybe pressure from partner. We don't know what this woman was going through. We're only reading the media reports. But that's why the law in Ireland, too, takes um, makes special provision. For example, um, Niall, in the case where, um, in, in the example of infanticide, we have an act called the Infanticide Act 1949 here in Ireland, where a mother is suffering postnatal depression and ends, kills her, her, her newborn child up to the age of one year. That's a different offence. It's not She's it's not, not classed as murder. Under yes. the murder legislation, there's a special provision for that because the court and the law is is taking account of that special um, situation that exists. But the reality is there, there is still a life ended. So in the case of infanticide, of course, it still has to remain in the criminal law, but, but, but provision is made. I think that the telemedicine thing is a huge element here and... I know you're saying, you know, Stella Creasy is not up in the House of Commons today demanding to an end of telemedicine. Well, she should be or somebody should be, because we know, first of all, we know that women have died as a result of telemedicine abortions. And that has happened. Um, I I believe there was at least one case in the UK of somebody dying as a result of taking the pills unsupervised at home. We know before the referendum here in Ireland in 2018, we were told we urgently needed to repeal the Eighth Amendment to stop women taking pills unsupervised. And yet we now have a scenario where the Minister for Health is presiding over a system where that's continuing to happen. We know as a result of parliamentary questions, there was one from Carol Nolan a couple of years ago to the Minister for Health around the topic of telemedicine abortions and why it wasn't now being discontinued post-COVID. In that reply, the HSE admitted that, you know, an in-person consultation with the doctor can be reduce the, um, the risk of um, you know, coercion, you know, so we know that 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 coercion can happen. We know. Well, we I, I, know I imagine like taking any medication, there could be contradictions if there's other medications or if there's high blood pressure or if there's other complications within the pregnancy. So I imagine there's always going to be a risk if there's, you know, if it's not a face to face consultation and and it's not discussed in that fashion. Um, That's right. Um, And I think that the idea that we're not um, encouraging the end telemedicine abortion um, women can now get to their doctors, they can get to the surgery, they can have the ultrasound. A telemedicine abortion um, carries the risk of not diagnosing things like ectopic pregnancy, which if a woman takes a pill and she's, you know, the pregnancy, there's some complication, can be complicating for her health. So what we should be seeing is calls now for the end of telemedicine abortion, um, decriminalization in general. And I and I, and I really See, believe... But I, I, sorry, just be, to interrupt you on the... Writing, Okay, I want to interrupt you on the decriminalisation because the the point and the reason we're having this conversation today and why it's relevant here in Ireland is because of the decriminalisation aspect of it. And that's what they're now demanding. And you're right, instead of BPAS, you know, kind of being more empathetic and understanding and saying we shouldn't have done this and we should have better procedures in place to make sure this doesn't happen again, they have used this now and taken advantage of this to then rid themselves of this legislation, which, of course, in turn, uh, gives people or women more freedom to have an abortion at any point in their pregnancy. But at the same time, here in Ireland, we have campaigners, very loud campaigners, who are demanding that the government, even though they didn't get their three-year review because of COVID-19, they now have a review which is going to the Citizens' Assembly, demanding that the government decriminalise. Now, they are a small amount of people, because when I've spoken about this on radio, even people who are pro-choice 
would be horrified by a story where a baby was aborted at 32 weeks because that's not what they voted for or that's what they feel they didn't vote for. But the argument from those who believe we should decriminalise is the unsurety that after the 12-week period currently in Ireland and that period between 12 and 22 weeks where in extreme or extenuating circumstances, be it fatal fetal abnormalities or whatever it happens to be, the doctors are unsure and they're afraid to do the wrong thing in case somebody comes along and says, well, actually, you didn't need to do that. You're going to jail for 14 years. And that's well, that's the why they're demanding this decriminalisation. That's why they'll tell you they're demanding it. Well, first of all, over the years that we had, uh, you know, it, it, the Offences Against the Person Act, which you refer, referenced, was also in place here until 2018. Um, I don't recall any doctor in, in recent memory, certainly in my memory, ever being criminalised um, under that piece of legislation. But the criminalisation has to be there to prevent unscrupulous individuals carrying out abortions on their the woman that they've trafficked. Or like, if you think of the kind of the kind of scenarios that could exist, and you're now if decriminalization would allow that kind of person who's not even a medical professional, it could happen, carrying out an abortion on a woman, um, there would be no criminal sanction for that. Uh, for carrying out the abortion. Now, there might be a criminal sanction if the woman died, which also could happen when you have this kind of um, mm -hmm. scenario playing out where you don't have any criminal sanctions. Nobody wants to see mothers in jail. But what's clear from this case is that instead of um, you know beating themselves up for having done this and sent out this pill um, to the woman without making sure that, you know, without taking some steps, reasonable steps to ensure that she wasn't so far along in the pregnancy, they're they're trying to shift the blame and then call for this and call for more extreme proposals. And you're right. And let's bring it all back to Ireland because, you know, we have we, we are discussing this issue. It is in the news at the moment. People did not vote for abortion up to 40 weeks. Uh, they certainly didn't vote for abortions to be able to be carried out, carried out with no criminal sanction, um, which could lead to any lots of kind of situations. Well, very, well, some very people, situations. some people did vote to have it with no criminal sanctions. You know, I only recently well, spoke to a woman on the, on, on the radio and she believed that abortion should be carried out right up to birth. Now, she said, it's silly to discuss that because it doesn't happen. And I said, well, it has happened, um, you know, a day before birth. Now, there would be extremely rare cases in the United States, more likely than anywhere else, because in some states in America where they do allow it or did certainly allow it. Um, but she believes that, it's a, you know, a woman's choice doesn't have a time limit. You're right. There are people that believe that, but they are not um, the mainstream. That's a very extreme uh, fringe, I would say, of the even the people who would describe themselves as pro-choice, who would be yes voters uh, in the, re the recent referendum here. But the uh, the sad thing in Ireland, and it's just the way the debate is carried on at the moment, uh, Niall, is that those people, the organisations like the Irish Family Planning Association, the National Women's Council of Ireland, they are all calling for decriminalisation. Um, they are... All when they are challenged, they will they they do not believe in any gestational limits. They do not believe in a woman being asked any question or having to answer any have any reason uh, to have an abortion up until forty weeks. That is not a mainstream in any way mainstream view. But they are the people who have had the ear of the Minister for Health throughout. But they, the but they have the ear of the government because I, on numerous occasions when I conduct this show and I and I do try to give a level of balance. That's why I tried to call both sides of the argument, as I did again today. And I contacted many of the pro-choice campaigners and campaign organisations. We left numerous messages, as we did the last time you were on Eilish, 
uh, numerous messages. As soon as they hear there's somebody from pro-life going to be on the show as well at the same time, they're not interested. And and it is because, as you rightly said, I believe that they have the governments here anyway. They don't need to. It's similar to what I talked about at the very start of the show with the hate speech legislation, which the majority of the general public seems to disagree with because there's no definition of the word hate. But the reason they're motoring on with it is, and the reason that you will not get people on the air or on the radio or podcast who think it's a great idea is because they don't need to come on to defend it. They don't need to come on to promote it because they know the government are going to do it anyway. And I think this is probably what's going to happen. And I hate to say this, Eilish, but you're on the losing side. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner because they have the governments here and you don't. You know, things, things, I, I really believe things will change for the better, Niall. I agree with you that they don't want to come on and debate because they currently have, seem to have uh, the year of, of the Minister for Health, for sure. I think there are a lot of uneasy people in government. In government. I think there are a lot of uneasy um, members of Fine, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party who voted and encouraged people to vote for repeal who are not very happy with what's happening at the moment. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think another reason why you'll find representatives of those organizations don't want to come on and debate this issue is because they they are now on the defensive the the, the stuff that has come to pass since the abortion law has 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 um, come into law in January 2019 is truly horrific the fact that we have 28,500 abortions in the first four years the fact that we have evidence that babies have been born alive after failed abortions all of these things which were poo-pooed, which were dismissed. The fact that we have a lot more people, um, based on uh, Fergal Malone's um, comments, um, about a lot more people um, choosing to end the life of their baby after a diagnosis of Down syndrome. These are all things that the No campaign back in 2018, and I don't like to be going back the way, but it is important to, 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 to note it, said, and they were dismissed by senior people within government who sold... Um, the yes vote to uh, a lot of people who I imagine, um, and there are people who get in touch with us, but I'm sure there are many people listening to this program who voted yes, who did not vote for babies to suffer pain in late term abortions. They did not vote for decriminalization to allow abortion up to 40 weeks. And the, ar- and the argument I had from I- a campaigner on the radio was they did vote for that. And I put that exact same point to them that you just said that's not what people voted for. They didn't vote for the legislation to be changed. But their argument is they did vote for that. And if they didn't think they voted for that, they're stupid because they should have checked themselves. They shouldn't have believed the government because anybody knows that governments can change. Government can change. We could get a conservative government in, you know, in six years time. I don't know. Some conservative government could form in six years time. They could come in and they could say there's no abortion at all because the government now have the choice to change that legislation. But you are right. (laughs) There are ministers and senior, including Leo Varadkar, by the way, who said he would be uncomfortable to change the legislation currently at the moment. Getting back to this particular story in the UK, which has ignited this debate, and I suppose has, like the Savita Hanapanavar case, has given this debate oxygen. If you were the judge in that case, the law is on your side, clearly, because it's illegal, and you can give life in prison if you want to. Would you put a mother of three in jail for having a late-term abortion? I think that's a... I personally wouldn't want to see any mother in jail, especially with three children at home for 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 doing this. However, there has to be um, a criminal sanction, um, as you say, when when she I mean, and I really feel so bad for this woman because it's very clear that she really regrets. I mean, I, I can only imagine what the actual experience was because it was such a 
fully formed baby. I, I, that um, that I thought went to my mind. I'm not a doctor or I don't understand the physiology yeah. of all that, but that thought went to my mind. I, you know, I imagine miscarriage is difficult enough and disturbing enough to happen to any woman, but I can only imagine what that would be like with a fully formed, essentially, uh, fetus, you know, being expelled from the body. That must have been horrific. You're right. And miscarriage is very difficult. And I can imagine this must have been horrendously difficult. And she may well have been, you know, already suffered enough having to have gone through that. I think that, again, I'm saying it's not about putting women in jail. The BPAS have a huge responsibility here and the British government for allowing telemedicine to continue. There are many organizations in, in, in England who've been campaigning to end telemedicine abortion because it's dangerous for women. There's no ultrasound. It's not possible to date the pregnancy without seeing the woman. You can't protect against coercion. You can't protect against an ectopic pregnancy because you can't diagnose it. And really, what all of the all of the commentary now should be around ending telemedicine abortion and remembering back as well to the fact that you know we were all told here uh, that you know we didn't want women taking pills uh, on their own in their house without having proper medical supervision. That's why we needed to repeat That was the, the argument of Tor- at the time, of course, but now we're doing exact. well, we did exactly the same thing, and as you may have said, Minister Donnelly uh, is still presiding over that. But look, it is and, a debate. And, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was just going to say that when Simon Harris, who was the then Minister for Health, when he introduced telemedicine abortion here in March 2020, it wasn't under the emergency legislation at the time of COVID. Uh, it was just a guidance introduced he said at that time that it was for the duration of the COVID pandemic. And yet here we are in 2023, we're at least a year a year past the end of other restrictions and other, other changes. And telemedicine abortion is still happening here. And, you know, there's every chance that we'll see a really difficult case arise here. Our woman being, being you know, um, her health or her, her life even being in jeopardy as a result of taking pills uh, on her own without medical supervision. So... We, you know, one of the things we should be doing is calling for the end to that now. And back on, on the point of your, your previous contributor about people voting for the repeal of the Eighth Amendment, and we've talked about this previously on your programme too, um, people have an entitlement to have some trust in the political process. And I think it's very cynical to say they voted for it. Good luck to them. The reality is that politicians give assurances uh, and we should be able to trust those assurances. Well, politicians give assurances at your front door every time there's an election, but we've heard politicians literally say on RTE, one particular very prominent politician said, don't believe what they say at the front door. You all know the politicians lie, and they do lie, and they change well, their minds. Well, that's why we, we need some fresh political, um, you know, some new people in politics, and I think okay. it's a very a big part of our campaign will be getting people involved, politically active, to, to bring some, you know, bring some change to the political process uh, in that regard and, and bring some humanity back. Well, listen, I thank you for joining us today, Eilish Mulroy, and uh, thank you very much indeed, spokesperson for the Pro-Life Campaign. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to get your calls, by the way. Don't forget the number, as usual, if you want to give us a call, 85 That's 85 First of all, I want to go to uh, Eric Nelligan, if I can, who is a spokesperson for AIM2. Uh, Eric, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. Thanks for giving me the chance to speak when I when I sent in the text there a little while ago. Um, Eric, I mean, this is a very complicated situation in the United Kingdom where this woman... Yeah. And, and look, nobody wants to see anybody going to jail. Um, she obviously went through a very difficult time, but according to the judge, she lied. 
she was well aware she was breaking the law. She even Googled it. The, the, the police yeah. uh, produced evidence that she had Googled it. And she pleaded not guilty from the very start. Hence, the judge said he gave her a custodial sentence of 24 months. Should she have gone to jail? Uh, it, look, it's a very tough situation. She did, however, knowingly break the law. I had a child, I have a child that was born very premature, very young, and my son survived with the help and care um, that he got in the hospital from the staff and from the facilities that were available. It's very likely the baby in that circumstance could have been born. Unfortunately, the lady involved, she actually went through the process of delivering the child. But can you, can you imagine how sad it must be to deliver the child, a, a dead child? It must be heartbreaking. And I'm, I'm conscious here we are, two men speaking a topic that affects women. Um, but it's just very sad, I suppose. What I'd like to focus on, if, you, if it's okay with yourself, is just, the te- like you spoke there with Eilish, about the telly, the, the, the repercussions and the hidden things that we don't hear about, about the ordering abortion pills online. Mm-hmm. So there was a survey released last year, um, in March of last year, probably coming to the end of the COVID restrictions, and it, it focused on what happened over the COVID restrictions in the UK. And it was done by a reputable country, uh, company as well. B-pass. And it showed that, yeah, yeah that's it. Um, it. It showed that 15% of women in the UK, they report being pressurized into an abortion. Okay, so that's a very high number. That's a very, very high number. And what, it, what, what happens when, when you can order the abortion pills online, I suppose it just makes it easier for, for manipulative and controlling coercive men, I presume mostly men, to do this, to, to pressure their, their, their girlfriends or their partners or, or the ladies, the girls in question, into having an abortion. And what, what was also extremely more concerning was that 3% of the respondents in the survey said that they were, they were given abortion pills without even realizing it. So they were basically tricked into having one, into inducing abortion. And wow. 5% of women reported that they had experienced physical violence with the intent to end their pregnancy. So it's, it's a sad state of affairs in this world where there are probably men who do really horrible things to end pregnancy. And by just having a very lax uh, regime or a very lax facility in place where um, you can order pills online, you don't have to go through a, t- a check. The well, see, but the, yeah, but the argument, Eric, is, but hang on, the argument, Eric, is if they're not available online to official sources, you know, yeah. um, be it the HSE, be it uh, the, the NHS or, or BPAS, as it is in the UK, who provided these particular pills on this occasion to a woman who was 32 weeks pregnant. And uh, Now, she did lie to them and told them she was under the 10-week period um, during COVID-19. But when you don't supply the pills from an official source, people who want them will get them from another source. We see that with many medicines online, that people will get them from nefarious sources that may not be right, and they may not be the right type of pills, or they may be made in India or China or somewhere, coming from some dodgy lab somewhere. So the idea of providing yeah. them officially is, is that you avoid that. That's true, but as we, as we see, look, I'm not denying that, and desperate people will go to desperate measures, but what we're seeing is we, we are legalising we were legalizing a method to get pills where things can go wrong, like we saw with this process. So, like, I'm against abortion. I think abortion is fundamentally wrong, but I am conscious. I'm also, I also acknowledge that, look, we lost the referendum and the majority of the population do want some access to it. So you accept democracy. Why can't they? Yeah. Of course, obviously. Of course yeah. I accept democracy. And I do hope, and, I, and I'm confident that at some stage in the future, it, it, this will be reversed. But for the moment, I suppose, what we're at is 
we want to minimize abortion mm. as much as possible and only and like like remember every woman knows this when an abortion takes place a life has been ended everyone acknowledges that so, but, and, but, but Eric, I, I don't, I, and I know you're stuck for time, and I have a few other people that I'm constantly yeah. to go to as well. But yeah. the, the big debate at the moment is happening. Instead of the Britons saying, "Isn't this awful? Isn't this terrible? Isn't you know what do we do to sort this out? You know how do we make sure women are never left in this situation again? How do we support women in these horrible, horrible situations? You know, do we need more counselling? This, you know, we need more face to face services. What they're doing currently at the moment of the UK MPs organizations, be past the people who provided the pills to her, are outraged and they're demanding that the government remove criminalization of abortion at full term. So they're using this, as an, like the Savita case, as I said to Eilish, they're using this as an opportunity to expand the law. The same thing is now happening in Ireland because the debate is happening here yeah. over this one woman. So again, the question I asked that I asked at the very start is, the law is the law. And there's no doubt, by the way, that the law in the UK, similar to Ireland, is probably outdated. It's 1861, right? And probably needs to be updated anyway, right? The Offences Against a Person Act. But in saying that, should she have gone to jail? The judge could have given her life in prison, by the way. Or he could have given her a fully suspended oh. sentence. Um, well, the judge did say that if she has... If she has... Um, a guilty plea. Guilty to start yeah. there, Correct. If he if she put in a guilty plea, if she if she had acknowledged what she had done at the start, that it's unlikely she would have gone to jail. He would have given us fully suspended sentence. He did say that, and for what again, I, for whatever reason, the the, the mother and the lady in question, she denied at the start, and then when she, she remitted it later on. When the evidence so was produced, what, yes, yeah, exactly. I, so I presume what I presume what the judge is like. The judge has to follow the law, and sometimes the law can be an ass, but. The law is supposed to be blind. Well, look, and there's, there's the no doubt in this case, fair. the judge the yeah. judge has no option but to convict her, right? There's no doubt about yeah. that, okay? Because that's the, that's the job of the judge. She's broken the law. It's been proved she's broken the law. It's black and white. She must be convicted. But he did have the option, or could have had the option, to give her a suspended sentence because she had three children sitting at home waiting for her to come home. And isn't this the argument they're making in the UK? Now, I don't know whether people agree with that. Some do, some don't. Um, because she intentionally did what she did. Um, you know, I, I would so. imagine. I would imagine the judge in this case is trying to protect the law because if, look, when it's acknowledged something has gone, when the law has been broken and some a life has been ended, a life of a, of a young child that would have lived has been ended. So while he mightn't have wanted, and he, he, there are circumstances, he he had to defend the law because otherwise you're basically giving carte blanche to this type of thing to possibly happen more like to happen more in the future. So he had. A judge, a good judge, needs to defend the law, and the law might mightn't be fair all the time, but it needs to defend it. And the law can be changed, and this is what we see is trying to happen now. But and and not only that, campaigners are now, you know, feminist correct. campaigners are now calling the judge a sexist. They're demanding his resignation. It's the story is gathering legs, you know, by the hour. Judge, just one last thing before I finish up, if that's okay. Um, on that survey, eighty-four percent of doctors. Are, of GPs in the UK, when they when they t- took part in the survey, expressed ex- severe concern that getting pills online is what the right thing to do. And eighty four and eighty six percent of the general population were very concerned with getting pills online. So in, in in this instance, I think most people are sensible enough to realise that while in most cases the women are genuine and they do pass on correct, accurate information as best as they can, there are always a small number of circumstances. Where that didn't happen, and this is just an extreme. This is an extreme case. Well, okay. So, the doctors are again. The doctors are not co- comfortable. The GPs are not comfortable with getting pills that can end life online. 
Eric, listen, thank you very much indeed. Eric Nettigal from Ain2. Uh, thank you for coming on talking to us. Let me go to Breda as well. Breda, how are you doing? You're on the Loud Boiling Podcast. Breda, you know, it, it is a complicated case. Hey, Niall, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's a complicated case, but should she have gone to jail? 100%. 100%. She knowingly destroyed, killed that child's life. You know, if like you get to 32, 34 weeks, you know, she's, mm. had pl- she's had three children already. So she knew all the signs and symptoms of having a child and, and, and you know, what it entails. And, you know, while maybe her mental health wasn't in the best, she, she was cute enough to be able to go online and check out what she had to do to be able to obtain these pills. I mean, like she'd only another few weeks to go. Why would you kill the child at that late stage when it was it could live and give somebody? But you're saying you're using you're using the term "kill the child." And I just want to point out from a legal perspective, you're not killing a child. Well, this is just from a legal point of view. I mean, obviously, from a moral point of view, you can have whatever view you want because the child, according to the Supreme Court, both in the UK and Ireland, doesn't have any rights because it's not born. So it's not essentially a child, according to the according to the law. Okay, right. But in, in my eyes, it's a child. It's yeah. moving, it's, it's kicking you, Absolutely. it's doing everything in there that, you know, human being does when they're in the womb. You know, I, I just, I can't for the life of me understand why, if she didn't want to have the child, she should have terminated it within the allotted time that they have in the United Kingdom. But to knowingly go and lie about it and... and Killed the, like the, she killed the fetus. Then, if you want to call it, whatever you want. No, I, no, I don't want to call it. I want to call it a child. Yeah, I'm I, quite I, happy. For, I'm quite happy for you to call it a child. Yeah, yeah. Like she killed the child, and I mean that child could have maybe would have been three years of age now. The child's name was Lily. Or got rid of yeah, you know. You know. The, the child was actually given yeah. a name, uh, Lily, and then she would have been three years of age. Ah. Uh, uh, like, you know, to me, that's heartbreaking because there, there's a family out there would have loved to have got Lily and given her a home and give her a life. And, and uh, you know, she'd a whole, her, you don't know what Lily could have done in, in her lifetime, you know. And like I waited so long to get my doll that, I mean, I just can't understand why anybody, you know, at that late stage in the pregnancy would decide, no, I'm, I've, I've changed my mind now. I'm not going to have it. And then to have to go through the labour of having the baby and everything else. Well, there, are, mean, nu- there, are, numerous, well, there are numerous stories in the media today as to why she chose that particular moment. Now, I again, I don't know whether the stories are true. Uh, seemingly she had broken up with her boyfriend. She had been with right. a new boyfriend and then went back to her old boyfriend and uh, unfortunately had been pregnant for the previous one or had an affair, one or the other, I can't remember. They're the stories that are being uh, put out in, the, in some of the media today. I do, again, I don't know whether those stories are true or not. They may not even be true. But th- that she was trying to conceal the pregnancy. How did that just get Well, that she was going through a lot of difficulty to conceal the pregnancy. the pregnancy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think our lines are kind of a bit slow there. But hang on a second. Let me just go to Melissa as well. Melissa, how are you doing? You're on the Loud Boiling Podcast. Hello, how are you? Um, how are you doing, Melissa? Um, it's a very, very complicated case here, Niall. And mental health comes to mind first and foremost when I... Um, heard this story. Um, selfishness came to mind also. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, I'm thinking you've just named Lily and she had three other siblings that would have had a sister. There's so many lives affected by her, um, of what she has done. Should she, Does she belong in jail? No, she belongs in mental health institution, in my mind. That's where she belongs. She's now separated from her children, which will cause 
serious mm. complications for her into the future um, and has been accused of killing her own child. It is 23 weeks, six days. That's an amount of time. Murder is murder. No, no 30, it was actually 32 weeks. She was 32 weeks, but it's allowed the legal oh, sorry, yes, sorry. Um, allowance yes. is 23 right. weeks and six days. That's yeah. a long, long time. Um, it was murder in my mind. And I feel very sorry for that lady. But does she belong in a jail? No. Should these pills be given online? I remember going public and very angry um, of these pills and abortions at home at the time. Um, you know, it's we could a have a DIY abortion, really, isn't it? Yeah, DIY abortion, which was putting two lives at risk at all times. I do believe the NHS have a lot of tense to hear. Let's bring it back to the people that decided on this. Be, well, it's um, BPAS, so children, who are operated by the but, NHS, yes. But during lo- lockdown, our children were online um, and could see their teacher in school if you wanted to. Why weren't doctors doing Zoom calls? We're all this technology nowadays and have some sort of consolation with those people online, you know, at home, that instead of putting them in a, an envelope and just posting it and no consolation. So we have to go back to the NHS and the people that put out those pills in the first place. And that's where well, I they, well, they, one, and I am very much pro-life. They are, not, they are not sorry for this at all. Uh, firstly, because they said she, they, she had lied to them anyway in the first place, in the first instance. But they're not, well, hang on, but they're not even coming out over the last 24 hours and saying, well, you know, our hands are up here. We need to put more regulations in place so this doesn't happen again. Well, I like I said, what, what they're saying, no. But they're, you, they're, they're using it now to change yeah. the legislation so the pills can be given yeah. out to any woman up to literally the day before birth. You see, they're going the opposite to what you should be doing with something like this. And that's what they've done, as you said, here in Ireland as well. And they'll pay on this now to get to where they want to go up to birth. And, you know, this is the problem. Um, the NHS are at fault here. That lady should not be in a jail. She should be in mental health services. And yes, she deserves to be punished for what she did. She knowingly got them mm-hmm. online without being pregnant. She knowingly knew. And as I, that lady said, because the fact that if she was a young girl in her first pregnancy and didn't know her exact date of pregnancy and that she might have made the mistake of going, although, you know, it's a lot yeah. of weeks later, um, I would say something, but for someone that had three children already, you know, you know, every woman yeah. knows this. Um, so, yes, she deserves punishment, but a jail is not the place for her. She should be in mental health institutions, and that's what they have caused, and the NHS should be paying for it, for her care and that of her children for the rest of her life, because they are at fault, I believe. That's my opinion. So, yeah, well, stay there. Let me just go to Maureen as well. Maureen, how are you doing? You're on the Live Bottom Podcast. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Maureen, I mean, what what do you think? Should she have gone to jail? Oh, yes. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And if I was a sitting judge, I just sent her to jail as well. But but you, so you, so you, wouldn't, you wouldn't agree with Melissa that she should be in the mental health services? No, no. I believe she knew what she was doing. And in my opinion, she committed a crime. No, she did. Then she serves jail time. Mm-hmm. But... We, we, we were hearing here, even while we were even campaigning before our own amendment here, all we were hearing was comes to cells and comes to cells and that's all it is. Well, that, that is not true, Niall. Certainly not true. Because at three to five weeks, a baby will have formed the heart and it begins development of the brain and spinal cord and starts forming the gastrointestinal tract. 
by recreating electrical activity, like the impulse that controls the heartbeat begins. By week 10, the organ inside the baby's head is a more recognisable brain. This is a live human being at this stage. And in my opinion, it is murder. You are killing a human being. And that's my stand on it. And you, I'm sure you know my stand on it anyway. Mm. And I'm not disputing, not I'm not, and particularly when we're talking about 32 to 34 weeks, which is the coroner believes that the, the unborn baby was 32 to 34 weeks. I'm not disputing the fact that it was a fully formed baby that in normal circumstances, if a woman gave birth to prematurely, would survive in a hospital setting. Absolutely. And would be three years old now. And I'm not disputing any of that. But the fact that it was during COVID, the fact there was circumstances, the fact that she couldn't get face-to-face consultation, the fact that she was able to do this in the first place, the fact that she was extremely remorseful, the fact that she had gone through a very difficult time, maybe she was depressed or whatever. Do you have any empathy at all for the situation she was in? No, Niall, I don't. Not when it comes to killing unborn babies. I don't. She knew perfectly well what she was doing. And she had three children already. And she must have known that she was way past 12 weeks when she said she already had three children. Any woman would know that. Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't so be 12 I, weeks. It would be the UK's laws, which would be, be, yeah, be 22, weeks, 23 weeks. That yeah. She would have known that she's away past that time. She did. She would have known that. She did know that, yes. Yeah. She did know that. So she knew what she was doing. So, yes, well, she deserves what she got. In my opinion. See, I mean, Melissa is pro-life as well, but she has a more empathetic view and believes she doesn't, she shouldn't be in jail. Yeah. She believes that... I'm not know, saying she shouldn't yeah. be punished, but a, a jail is not the place for someone. Of, you know, this is a very serious case, clearly. And I don't disagree with Maureen. Murder is murder. I did say that, Maureen. But I think the answer and the brief here was, does she belong in jail? I don't belong, believe she belongs in jail. I believe she, you know, there are lock-up facilities that give more mental health services than jails. And that was my point. Oh, I know, I know that was your point, Melissa, but my point is that she committed a crime under the law of the land. So, yeah, in my opinion, it. she deserves to be in jail. And I'm sure she'll get help. There's, she will be offered help in jail as well, no doubt about it. There's very little there will be um, someone coming help to see for her mental and health in any jail, Maureen. That's well, the point I'm making. Yeah, well, there's very little mental help in this as well in any other place. But we're Anywhere. talking about and a crime here. Was, and I suppose, we yeah, can't, and that's what yeah. we're saying. So we, we can't be pushing crimes. Crime, yeah, yeah, well, we can't be pushing crimes under the carpet and saying, oh, well, they don't belong here or they don't belong there. But no one, no one is pushing any crime under the carpet. I said murder is murder, I think. You know, we all agree on that. Yes, I know, but it's myself. my opinion where she should be. But this is what people, some people want to do anyway. They want to push a lot of crimes under the carpet and say, oh, no, we shouldn't send them to jail. We should send them somewhere else. We've got fellows coming into our old court systems here in this country with 85 convictions and they're being left off. And they've committed crimes. And they're still not in jail. Yeah, but, there, but there is an argument you know, and the argument being made today by many people in the United Kingdom, for many groups and campaigners, is that although they do believe, well, some believe that she was wrong in what she did, they believe, well, she's not a danger to society. So why put her in jail when she's got three children sitting at home waiting for her to come home? They're demanding her release, by the way, in the United Kingdom. 
I can't imagine she's oh, going to be allowed to have her children again, to be honest. Well, well maybe our children will be taken into care. I don't, well, I'm, I'm assuming maybe she has relations. It would be if she's convicted to this extent. Um, sorry, what was the sentence? How long? 24 months. Get that part. 24 months. 24 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's quite short, actually. It, well, it is, well, it is considering the judge for this particular crime, the Offences Against a Person Act, you can get life in prison. The last particular case in the UK, although there are more cases like this to come up, I believe, um, they were talking about today in the paper, there are a few more uh, to come up, but uh, a woman in 2012 got eight years for the same crime, um, but she was um, released after three, after they appealed it, uh, appealed leniency. Uh, let me just go to Alex, if I can, as well. Um, Alex, how are you doing? You're on the Nod Boyden podcast. Hey, how's it going now? How's it going, Alex? Uh, Alex, should she have gone to jail? Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, sure, you yeah, know, I haven't gone to jail myself yet. <laughs> right, but should she have gone to jail? Oh, should she have gone to jail? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, sorry, sorry, I wasn't really listening in on the uh, the full part of the, the, the last uh, conversation. Okay. Uh, something to do with abortion. Mm. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't really, uh, yeah, I only, I only uh, called in just there. Okay, and what did you call in about, Alex? Um, so I was asked to uh, come on the show about um, the hate speech bill, I believe. No, Alex, that 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 unfortunately that was yesterday's debate. Uh, so I, I think there's a bit of confusion in relation to that. So I, I don't think we're going back to that again. We will be going back to it at some point, Alex, very very soon. Um, but unfortunately, we don't. We're not coming back to it today. If you want to get a, give us a call, by the way, you can. The number is 087, or should I say 85 That's 085 And what I'm going to do just very quickly is I'm just going to reset that phone for you there because, uh, unfortunately, I think we got a bit mixed up in our callers there. Um, we're talking about this particular case very quickly. We've got about another 10 minutes. We'll just take one or two more calls. I know Morris wants to come back to us is there as well. Uh, and I'll get Maureen back on the line too. So if I can get Morris and Maureen, it'd be grand. Um, but campaigners and MPs have now reacted with outrage. See, this is not the reaction a logical person would expect in this particular case. I think when you have a case like this where a woman does a DIY abortion essentially at 32, 34 weeks, we should be reacting by how did that happen? How do we stop that from happening in the future? Why was she prescribed those pills? How is she allowed to lie with no checks and balances? But instead, the conversation and the debate now is around, oh, let's change the law so everybody can do it. So more women can actually do that. More women can actually go out and get abortion pills at 32 to 34 weeks. Although I don't believe that's probably the right way to have an abortion, by the way, at 32 to 34 weeks. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know for sure. But the question must be asked, is it the right debate to be having? Because all across the UK and Ireland now, this is now being used by people as a way to have this debate. Just like when we decided in Ireland to have the abortion debate, it was because of the Savita Hanapanover case and sadly the death of Savita. That was enough reason for the debate to to happen. But at that particular time, I argued, that wasn't the debate we should have been having. The debate we should have been having was how do we prevent that in the future? Not by having a free-for-all, but how do we we prevent that from happening in the future? Let me go to Alan if I can. Sorry about that. Alan, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Bowling Podcast. How are you, guys? How's everything going? Good. Alan, you know, I mean, it's a difficult debate. I I don't really know. I'm kind of on a tightrope here wondering if I agree with a woman going to jail when she's three kids because of doing something that maybe she regrets. I don't know. 
Well, I, I, I think the biggest problem is, like, even if, if, if you look at repudiation, like, if, if you look at the women that are travelling over to the UK, like, like 90% of those women that were travelling over was because they couldn't afford to have the child. So, like, in, in an awful lot of situations, like, especially when, when you head into moments of, of, of austerity and recession and if, if the cost of living is very expensive and if the cost of housing is very expensive, like, uh, if, if, if abortion is provided as a service, and if people see that as an easy way out, they're, they're, they're going to take it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. So so essentially, what needs to be provided to women and young mothers is just greater support so, so they can actually raise their children. Yeah. So, but I, I'm struggling to get people to actually answer the basic question here today, which is, should she have gone to jail? Well, see, see, see the thing is, like, there, there, there is a law in place, like, and, uh, like, when, 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 it, when it comes to that stage, now, sure, sure, that child was, was to burst in about six to eight weeks after that, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, it was very kind of close to absolutely. that stage of birth. Yeah, it's only a, um, month, only a month, I have two months away from birth, absolutely. Yeah. So, so like, in, in, in a sense, like, like that does have to be taken into consideration. Like, like, like so, you're the, so you're the judge, Alan. You're the judge. What would you tell uh, I, I I'd say that she 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 was aware of the law. She she, she went off. She she accessed the pills illegally to to abort the child, and uh, she she didn't know that, that 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 there would be consequences if if if, if she was to be found out. So you would jail her? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, because it, it, it's it's the same thing. Like if 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 you look at a person like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, like uh, he his mother was going to abort. Uh, because she wasn't able to to uh, afford to raise him. Oh, like, I if, wasn't if, aware if, of that. I didn't hear that. Sorry, but go on. Yeah, yeah. So, so like if if, if you look at that, like like if, if, if every single child uh, in, in the pregnancy, like there is potential to that child. Like if 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 uh, Ronaldo's mother went off and decided to abort him, like uh, we we would have lost out on the greatest footballers of the era. I see. Now I heard that argument during the abortion debate, and I don't know whether that's true or not, or whether it's a good argument because. To say that, okay, if Cristiano Ronaldo's mother had have aborted him, if my mother had have aborted me, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. And what difference would that make to people's lives? Probably none, because I would have never existed in the first place. So it wouldn't have mattered if Cristiano Ronaldo was never born, because nobody would have known he would have existed in the first place anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I don't know whether that's really a good argument. Yeah, it's, well, 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 it's kind of more so, like, it's just... Like whenever like a woman becomes pregnant, like there's only two two results of of that pregnancy really, and uh, she she either a have 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 miscarriage, which is mm. essentially a natural abortion of the child, or, or she'll give birth, like you know what I mean, mm. and, and and then you're just open to God that that's a healthy pregnancy, like you know. Yeah, well, there is only two results, which is a healthy pregnancy, sadly, or some women, as you rightly said, can lose the baby. Let me go to Morris finally on this. Morris, how are you doing? You're on the Not Boiling podcast. Niall, how are you doing? Um, God, it's a tough one, isn't it? I listened to you calling the little child. Was it Lily? Lily, yes. Was it? She'd be three years yeah. old now, I think, yeah. I know. God, Lord, do you know what I did when I heard your name and the child that she had a name? I said a little prayer for her. Mm. Yeah, I think because I think a lot of people would who would be religious. Yeah, that would yeah. be a nice idea. You know, it was a tough, tough situation to be born into and uh, for, for her to end up like this and then to have other siblings... It's, like I said, the lady that was on earlier on made a lot of sense. You know, they should have looked at the mental health rather than the aspects of the, the rigors of the law. But the judge is an officer of the law and he has to implement the law. That's democracy, regardless of situation. Absolutely. But the judge also yeah. has has the choice to put her in jail or not put her in jail because he did and have he did, that choice. He did give a reason. Yeah, he did give a reason why he, he decided did. to jail. Yes. 
because of our stance in the case, saying, no, I did nothing wrong, and then admitting it. You know, because you have lies and deception going on. And to me, being a humanist and being from a big family, when lies and deception come in to us, uh, a life was lost. Yeah, yeah. A life was lost. You know, I'm just thinking logically like yourself, being a family man and having children. You know, if I was in a desperate situation like that, I'd say, you know what, I'll have the child and give it up for adoption and I'll have a better life because my life is not good at the moment with the situation I find myself in. But she was just willing to go down the road she went down. Obviously, she was in tunnel well, six, six more, Six more weeks, she could have put the child up for adoption. There you go. And, and, the, and she went down the wrong path. And the judge, to me, was as fair as he could be. Like he said, he did admit, if you'd have said guilty, if you'd have admitted it at the start, and, and, well, the, the, the thing about it is a guilty plea would have avoided going through the court the procedure sentence. and it yeah. would have avoided bringing in expert witnesses and coroners and all sorts of people. It yeah. would have avoided that whole thing. And the investigation by the police found the Google and found everything else yeah. that went on. Oh, no, they knew. Well, look, she went online and Googled, is it illegal to yeah. have an abortion after 23 weeks? She Googled. So she, it, she was well aware yeah. it was illegal. And that's why she lied. I know. Yeah. And like you said, there was partners and there was new partners and ex-partners. So it was a horrible no, It's a complicated story. It is a complicated yeah. story. And it, to yeah. me, it seems like she was trying to conceal the pregnancy from her ex-partner who was now back with her. So I, th- I think she I was trying to conceal the pregnancy. That seems to have been the case according to some media outlets today. I don't know how true that is. but but And, I saw and, th- and, and, and like you said, Noel, unfortunately, because of all this that was going on, poor Lily ended up not being alive. Because of the situation she was born into or found herself in. But I do remember one thing, and I was listening to you talking about this today. A quote from a film came to mind. And the quote was, Mother is the name for God on all the lips and in all the hearts of the children of the world. Mm. You know? never, I never heard that quote before, but it's a nice quote, by the way. Well, it's, it's a quote from a film. Um, do you remember Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee? Brandon Lee, yeah, yeah. It's in a film. He made a film called The Crow. That's right. And he died, he died soon after. And it stuck with me because basically, you know, mother is the name for God because the mothers are nurturers. And unfortunately, Lily didn't get a chance. But I believe in reincarnation, and I hope she gets a chance to come back again. I really do. Well, <laughs> it's a nice, I mean, it's a nice thought back. if you believe in reincarnation. It's a nice thought. I do. I when? do. And I think she will come back. Um, unfortunately, she didn't make it in this round. But, you know, never say never. But I think the mother needs help rather than condemnation. She has to live with the guilt of what she's doing for the rest of her lives. And then when her siblings or children get older and they realise what mammy done. You would, know, you, would, you, would you have, knowing that she's a mother of three, one of her child's a special needs as well, by the way, if that complicates the situation even more. But knowing she's a mother of three years of age and those children are solely dependent on her because I, I don't think her partner is too much involved in her life. But, but as a mother of three, you're standing there looking at her in the dock. Would you have put, yeah. put her in jail? I don't think I'd have put her in for. Um, I don't think I'd have put her in for two years. I'd have been more lenient, and I would have given her community service of say two hundred and forty hours. Okay. Okay, that's probably. Maybe, I maybe sure. maybe working with survivors or working with women with difficult pregnancies or yeah. People that have find themselves in her situation. Yeah. And I mean to say, the only thing the judge didn't do, although he was correct being an officer of the law, he should have sold mercy and leniency. And he should have told her in the in the dock, I'm letting you get back to your life in honour and in memory of Lily. And never forget it. Thank you very much indeed, Morris. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, everyone who got involved in the show. Again, what I say is the wrong debate is happening. Morris summed it up there.
Um, the wrong debate is happening. We shouldn't, as we are, have, be having a debate as they are in the UK, across right across all news stations in the UK today, be having a debate about whether we should change the law to allow women to have an abortion right up to birth. Because I don't believe there is really anybody listening today. Well, if there is somebody listening today who believes you should be able to abort a child, by the way, you know, a day before pregnancy, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I have a huge amount of sympathy for you because obviously you don't have a very logical mind, you don't have a heart, and you don't have any morals because you're talking about a human being. Um, and I, it, it always reminds me of that story, and I like to tell it every now and again, and going back during the abortion referendum, the debate was on the air, and we had both sides of the debate constantly all the time, and we had campaigners on. And there was a very prominent pro-choice campaigner who was in the news quite a lot of the time. She was a young woman. And I spoke to her in the studio, I think, at the time, maybe not on the phone, in the studio. And she referred to the pregnancy as a clump of cells or a fetus on numerous occasions. And I pulled her up on it. And I said, you do know that, you know, people from pro-life, and generally speaking, mothers would refer to it as their unborn child. And she said, it's not an unborn child, it's a clump of cells. That's what we're talking about. And she was quite adamant about that. And of course, I'm sure she voted yes because she was campaigning for others to vote yes at the time. Two years later, this young woman happened to spot on her Facebook page it come up my feed one day because she had followed me at the time and that's how we had contacted her. And I happened to spot that she had she had a very happy relationship and she put a post up saying, my child is, entered, is entering the world. And a scan, oh, first scan, I am assuming that's about 13 or 14 weeks. And she, but she referred to it as her child. The same woman, three years previous, had called it a clump of cells. So a baby is only a baby, it seems, if you want it. It's not a baby if you don't want it. It's a clump of cells. And that's the only time in the English language that anybody would ever do something like that. A car is a car. A train is a train. A plane is a plane. It's never not a plane. It's never not a car. It's never not a train. Do you understand what I'm saying? A baby is a baby no matter what age it is. You can decide morally, and if you believe that it's okay to have an abortion, that's your choice, and I would never judge you for that. Unless, of course, you break the law. This woman broke the law. And the debate is, or should be, how do we support women in difficult situations? That's the debate that should be happening. How do we give more support? How do we regulate to make sure that this doesn't happen again? To make sure that women at 32 weeks pregnant don't get those kind of pills, which can put not only their own lives in danger, but other people's lives in danger, including the unborn child. That's the debate that should be happening. But instead, British MPs, organisations and campaigners across the United Kingdom and now Ireland as well are using this case, this one case of a woman who broke the law, who knowingly broke the law because of complications in her life, were using this one case to say, let's change that law. A law that was a good law, but may need updating. There's no doubt about that. It's an old law. It's 150 years old, similar to Irish legislation, although Irish legislation has been updated more recently. But yes, maybe update the law. Have a look at the law. See how we can work around the law to give judges more wiggle room in those situations to have more empathy and understanding. Did the judge do the right thing? I think he probably did in the circumstance. Morris is right. If it was me as a judge... I probably would have used community service to give her children a chance. And I would do that for her children and not for her. So that's the debate we should be having. The debate is not, should we have abortions right up to birth?
Because I can tell you now, no matter what side of the debate you happen to be on, pro-life or pro-choice, I don't want to live in a country where a woman can have an abortion two days before a child is due to be born. Because that's not the type of society I don't believe anybody wants. I'm not suggesting it happens very often. Thankfully, it doesn't. But I don't want to live in that type of society because that's not a nice society. Anyway, I'll be back again with you again tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Don't forget to join us then. And don't forget this show will be on Twitter in our subscription second section if you want to watch the whole thing. Or it'll be on our website at nileboylan.com if you go into the video section. Or you can listen to it for free. At any time, we will put up a download link after the show in about an hour or two's time, all right? Don't forget the stream, as you see here now, that you're watching it on, both on Facebook and on Twitter. That will be removed once the show ends. But you can go to our website, nileboylan.com, to listen or to watch. And don't forget, you can get it on all the usual platforms to listen as well. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts, you can find it there as well. Until then, I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 12. Have a great day. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs> 